Show, Sportsnet 5.9, the fan, Ben and Spring Gunning. Try not to be a weather vane when it comes to the Raptors here, okay? Because it was early on in the season, especially after the Portland loss, talking to Michael Grange, I think it, it did ask the question, like, are they one of the worst teams in the NBA? It did feel like it at mm-hmm. one point. And then they went and beat up on the Milwaukee Bucks. Yes. And then they went out on the road and had a two-and-two road trip, coming mm-hmm. back against the Spurs and beating up on the Mavericks. Things were looking good. Hold their own against the Boston Celtics in their first in-season tournament game. Mm-hmm. And then Talon eventually winning out. And then they go out and get themselves blown out in their second in-season tournament game against the Orlando Magic, dropping themselves to 6-8 and eight outside of even the play-in tournament, which is different than the in-season tournament, mm. out of the play-in portion of the Eastern Conference playoff teams. They are now in 11th place in the Eastern Conference at 6-8. and eight. The Orlando Magic at 9-5 and five find themselves in 5th in this the Eastern is, Conference. This is how I think I would describe the Raptors. Just kind of quickly looking at it, I think they are the worst team with good players. Like all the teams that are beneath them in the standings, it's like, okay, like maybe they have one guy that you can hold your head up. It's like, okay, Wemby with the Spurs or the Pistons, like Kate Cunningham, that's a nice piece. Like you're happy to build around that. But the Raptors are the worst team in the league with legit bona fide building blocks, three of them yeah. in Siakam, Barnes, and Ananobi. I think that's where I finally settled on them. Right, yeah. They, they have multiple good players. Yes. But yeah, nobody's as bad as the Pistons who have now lost 12 in a row and could not beat a Nuggets team without Jokic. But maybe they're maybe they're Jamal doing exactly Murray. what they need to do. Yeah, that seems like a lot of seasons <laughs> of doing exactly that. All right, time now for our insider, brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. He is inside his apartment, Blake Murphy of the Raptor Show. How's it going, Blake? Weird way to tee him up. <laughs> well, he's the insider. Yeah. That's why he's the insider. He's inside his apartment. Oh, okay. That's what I mean. I am inside my apartment. I can confirm. I'm all right. Uh, that game last night was pretty dispiriting, though. How are you guys doing? I'm all right. Um, I was also dispirited by it. We're um, fine. And there, there's there's many angles, many avenues we can choose to talk about that game. And, uh, yeah, I, I, honestly, I'd prefer not to, but we have to. Because uh, it, uh, it was the only Toronto sports team in action yesterday. Honestly, Blake, like the, I, I know we're going to get into the numbers and the, the more tangible aspects of this team. But I, it's just so often this season I felt like a lack of intensity with this Raptors team. Like, am, am I off base? No, you're not. And it's not acceptable at this point, right? Like, th- this has been... The this has been the norm, not not something that happens once in a while. Uh, I tweeted last night. This is seven times in the last nine games that they've gone down 16 or more. And that is almost always in the first half, not like a late game pull away or anything like that. So even these games they're pulling out the, the overtime win against San Antonio, the comeback against Washington, all of those games like the, Detroit is the only game recently where They've looked good start to finish. Um, the Dallas game was was a good one. That was now two weeks ago. That was the last time they looked really good against a good opponent. So um, this is kind of what 500-ish teams do. They're going to look really good at times. They're going to look really bad at times. But, you know, similar to Cade Cunningham's talking point after the Pistons lost the other day of, yeah, we're not good enough to come out with this level of intensity that and come out flat so regularly that's got to be what the Raptors are talking about right now and there's a lot you know numbers wise tactics wise etc that that you can try to correct but the fact that you are digging yourself a hole 
almost every single night and you are not talented enough to consistently dig out of holes, that's that's problem A1 here. Yeah, and I, I don't want to do like Mr. Sports Trope guy here, but I did, and maybe it's, again, I, like I said off the top of this show, maybe it's just soothing me. I would have loved to see Darko Ryakovic be a little bit more stern or a little bit more upset at the conclusion of that basketball game. Like what we saw from Jalen Suggs, that type of intensity, and nobody's yeah. going to like... You know, nobody's going to relitigate Scotty Barnes for Jalen Suggs. Like, obviously, obviously the Raptors made the right decision there. But, like, where is that? Like, where is – and especially after you see Jalen Suggs celebrating in the manner that he did getting off to that great start. I, 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 and maybe it's not necessarily Scotty, but maybe also Scotty, who's like, yeah, you know what? I, I'm going to take that as a, a reason to, to get up for this game, even though you shouldn't need reason to get up for a game if you're the Raptors. But I just – where – like, is it fair for me to 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 land some of that criticism on Darko Royakovich for the lack of intensity that we've seen here? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure he shares in it, right? Like, he's the one getting these guys prepped and coming out of the, the locker room to start the games. I, you know, those first couple plays, what is that script like? Um, you know, what are you saying messaging-wise before they go out there? What do you say at the first time out if it starts to happen? And Darko said the other week after the Washington game, um, you know, character matters in the first half, too. And so it can be one thing to have this character where you you can bounce back, you can fight back. That's a good thing to have. But again, you don't want to put yourself in that spot regularly. Um, now, at the same time, look, the players have to go out there and play better. It's pretty much as straightforward as that. And they don't have they have a couple of really good players. Um, that Orlando team was missing two starters yesterday and went 10 guys deep. The Raptors cannot do that even fully healthy. So uh, that's a, a small part of this as well. You know, most of those holes they're building have come during that first bench stint, late first quarter, early second quarter. Um, so not a ton to do about that personnel wise. But yeah, when when the starts are this consistently flat, um, you know, that, that blame is shared. Now, the sub side of it, man, he's he's uh, he was a lot of fun mm-hmm. to watch yesterday. He has probably three of his best five or six career games uh, against the Raptors. He has his best like points per game, his best true shooting percentage all against the Raptors compared to any other team. So he gets up for it. Um, you know, Scotty Barnes, I'm sure is a bit more of a, well, I don't think about you at all right. because I, I got picked first, but yeah, you would have liked to see someone match Jalen Suggs's intensity yesterday. And I really didn't think that was there other than maybe from uh, Dennis Schroeder who, you know, what was solid, but your starting point guard only had one assist. So um, even then, you know, I I don't know that anyone answered the call from a guy who, yeah, I I like Suggs and I like the defensive intensity that starting backcourt averages combined like 14 points and three assists. You you should not, you should not get sunned by Jalen Suggs and Anthony black as a backcourt counterpoint though. He's like a capital W winner. Right. Like the Raptors over the years, especially like with Nick Nurse's tenure, they've had some like capital W whiners. And he, this is the in season tournament. It's the closest thing we have to March Madness. Exactly. So of course it's of course it's his time to shine. You know, one of the theories we were talking about this to to kick off the show today, and one of the theories I bandied about about this is you know, it goes back to something we've talked about. And, uh, you know, I'm sure these conversations have made its way to your ears, Blake, uh, in Leafland of like the personality of the star players on the team. And like, I don't look at it as a cru- a critical flaw for this Raptors team. But when I look at Scotty, he's a guy who, if you poke the bear, 
he'll get engaged, but he can kind of sleepwalk through games at times. Pascal Siakam, I don't think he's a like dour presence, but I don't look at him as the most fiery guy. And OG Ananobi is like an incredible competitor. But again, I don't look at him as Mr. Rara. Like he's always locked in, but I don't necessarily look at him as that type of guy either. Like how much of it do you think is just a bit of personality from the three kind of key pillars of this Raptors team right now? I don't think it's a ton, honestly. Like, we've seen Barnes and Siakam both take over games at at points this year. And I get what you're saying that, you know, to start games or maybe to pick up that Suggs level intensity early on, maybe these guys have to find their groove and get into it a little bit. Um, I get that element. But Barnes and Siakam have both shown in the right matchup on the right night, they can take over. And they're maybe not as uh, emotive as Jalen Suggs, but they're also like much more effective players when they're on than Jalen Suggs, which uh, you wouldn't know from last night, but generally Suggs Mm -hmm. has not done that. Um, And, you know, OG, like, yes, he he doesn't have that level, but I I like that for OG because as a defensive stopper, you kind of need that. Well, I I don't get too high or too low. You can't, I'm unflappable. Um, You know, I, I would like to see Siakam or Barnes, bring it a little earlier to start games for sure. Um, this is also something the Raptors have to figure out where, you know, the way they're structured, Dennis Schroeder's third on this team in usage right now, right? Like like there are, they maybe need to make a more concerted effort to, if it's a Siakam game, if it's a Barnes game, if it's both of them, just try to get them a little bit more heavily involved out of the gate. Uh, maybe things flow from there. Uh, but I, I just don't think you're going to coax out, you know, a Jalen Suggs first quarter. I'm dive. I'm everywhere and diving for loose balls and poking Dennis Schroeder in the eye like Ric Flair because <laughs> I'm just so amped up for this game. Uh, yeah, I don't know that you can coax that at a at a guy's if if it's not a if you're not naturally annoying like that. You rightly pointed out that the Raptors and Magic are kind of like mirror images of each other, that the Magic mm-hmm. were actually one of the few teams, I think they're actually the only team that had a worse offensive rating than the Raptors going into yesterday. I haven't seen the updated stats, but worse offensive rating than the Raptors and a better defensive rating than the Magic. I actually have seen that the Magic are now number one uh, in defensive rating in the NBA uh, after yesterday's game. And they're younger and they have more flexibility. It's like not even a question of whose future do you feel better about because I think it's pretty clearly the magic who are seeing it now manifest itself into victories and also with again the flexibility but like how much better are the magic off than the raptors right now yeah i mean and hey the the magic uh edged just ahead of the toronto raptors in offense after last night so uh yeah there oh, you wow. go so that's no um, longer uh, relevant yeah yeah no they're in a really good spot like they have a, a lot of cap flexibility here um around you know a couple of guys who are already pretty good on the rookie contracts now i i think because it's a star driven league the the one question is going to be you know are, is paolo better than scotty is franz better than scotty that's a question that'll probably determine either team's upside and right now i'd put scotty barnes a, a, a hair ahead of those guys um but yeah they're like they've had five lottery picks in the last three years and you know that's not including like uh a jonathan isaac who you know has kind of been reimagined now as a as a defensive super sub here um they're they're gonna have space to add via free agency if they want they're going they have enough young pieces like i said they, they go 10 deep even with two starters out right now so if you're looking at potentially in this offseason not only using the cap space and maybe guys just don't sign in orlando but consolidating some of your pieces for you know one other star level guy they're in a good spot um you know, I, I really like what they're building defensively. I think offensively, when you look ahead to what Paolo and Franz could be, um, the the 
I don't think the ups- offensive upside is like top five offense, but I think they could be comfortably average on offense. Um, you know, if you're the Raptors, you probably, not probably, you have a better top three right now. Siakam, Ananobi, and Barnes are, are better than the best three that the Magic can roll out there, and the Raptors' numbers remain really strong with those three. But guess what? If you roll the Magic's top three out there, two of them aren't about to be free agents, and, and their best their you know, best or second best player in Siakam isn't sitting there wondering what his future looks like and whether it's with this team. So, you know, cap wise, youth wise, just kind of direction wise, the magic make more sense right now. And part of that's not making decisions on key free agents. Part of that is that the magic have been, you know, a lottery team for four years in a row now and have five lotto picks over the last three years. Yeah, I don't know that the Raptors Raptors have the appetite for that. Yeah, being atrocious, uh, it it eventually can bear fruit. It just uh, can can take a while. Uh, The Raptors, uh, I don't know, maybe atrocious is too strong of last uh, to talk about last year. But they they found themselves in the lotto. They got a pick, and and Grady Dick. Can we just get a little check in? Where where are we at on him? I feel like people are very hesitant to push the panic button, but there are people starting to go. Okay, can we see? something here and he's had games where he's he's had a little more import but where where are we at on on Grady Dick uh, a handful of games into the season now yeah, not not far enough along to, to panic yet. 14 games, of course. You know, everyone would like to see him shooting the three better. He's at, I think, 24% right now. Um, and, and most troubling to me, I think, is early in the season when the shot wasn't dropping, he was still doing a lot of things like loose balls, offensive rebounds, smart cuts. And now, you know, you kind of don't notice him when he's out there other than, you know, when the three misses. So that's not great. I, I think he's probably, you know, I sat down before the season. I looked at the 905 schedule in the Raptor schedule and I think there were 11 dates where both teams are at home the schedules don't conflict and Grady could maybe get some time down there get 30 minutes in get some shots to drop and get that confidence back up I think that's probably in the cards for him when the Raptors come back home next Um, I, I just think you know, it's probably not helping the confidence to get these small bursts here and not see the shots drop. And this isn't unusual for even, you know, a late lottery pick. Like the Magic have uh, Jet Howard, who was a lottery pick, down with the the G League pretty much regularly right now. Th- this happens around the league. Um, even Scoot, who obviously is not going to play in the G League, but was a top pick. Uh, he was practicing with the G League this week to get more reps and ramp back up. So No, Blake, um, he, I, he actually did play in the G League. I, I know that. He did. Oh, yes, yeah. but not this week. No, I know. I'm just being a smart ass. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, I don't know. I think I think you've got to take a longer view here. The, the hard part is, like, the Raptors need his skill set to be good right now. Like, their bench doesn't have a chance without some extra shooting in there, and uh, it's not there right now. So, they're going to have to figure out how to balance because he needs those reps down there. He needs to be able to play 30 plus minutes and see some shots. Do, do we think that maybe part of the plan and, you know, I don't think they would look at it strictly this way, but it's all right. If you can do some of that, you can maybe get the confidence up with some nine Oh five games. And then, you know, depending on the direction the season takes here with, you know, a possible Gary Trent jr. Trade that maybe there are more consistent minutes for him. I'm not sitting here saying that that makes the Raptors a better team. I think it makes them a worse one this year, but I do wonder like, do you, could you see that kind of being the, I'm not saying their main plan because I'm, you know, Messiah and everybody will tell you they still want to compete and make the playoffs, yada, yada, yada. But do you, could you see that being a possible kind of roadmap for, for his development this year? Yeah, I think so. And you know, this is these, the season is long, right? Like guys go down and feels you know, really maybe long after yesterday, but yeah. Yeah. Ahead. And maybe it's only a couple games and you're right back up. Like Norman Powell, when he went down to the G league, he only played eight games down there. And then he was right back up in the playoff rotation. Like it doesn't take a ton 
of time for things to click for guys down there. And sometimes it is as simple as, you know, confidence boost or, or get the conditioning up or whatever. So um, if he went down there, I, I think it's only a part-time thing. It's only a short-term thing. The other thing, more to your point, Brent, is, you know, at a certain point this season, the Raptors will have to decide what this season is about. Mm -hmm. And right now it does not look like it's about the playoffs. So then you hit a point where, you know, like last night I'm sitting there scratching my head like, man, why isn't Otto Porter in this game? Like, they've looked better when Otto Porter's on the floor every time he's been out there. And if the answer is, well, Otto Porter is 30 and this team is looking more toward the future, well, okay, then why is Grady Dick only playing eight minutes before yeah. garbage time? Um, there is still that kind of incongruency that the, the front office and coaching staff are going to have to make a call on. Like, is this... You know, is this about winning now or should you be playing the 20 year old and the 23 year old and the 24 year old more? No, you're trying to do all things at once and you're doing no things. Um, yeah, it's not working for not, very well. not very well uh, at all. I'm OK. Before that you go, let's let's litigate where we are with the Nick Nurse divorce, who it felt like he yeah. made a, a an adjudication that the bench was no good. The starters had to play 47 and a half minutes a game and that Malachi Flynn in particular not capable of being a rotation player. And yeah, he looked he looked like he was on to something early in the season. Since then, Flynn has kind of figured out a way to be not a zero when he hits the court, but I don't think anybody is like jumping out of their seats when Malachi Flynn hits the court. And the Raptors bench is 26th in the NBA in net rating. Who's winning the divorce? And it's easy to say like, hey, the Sixers are uh, one of the, the top teams in the Eastern Conference and they no longer have the James Harden thing to deal with. But we expected that either way. But like the, from a Raptors perspective, who's winning the divorce? Yeah, I think Nick Nurse right now for sure, right? Like you look at this and you can certainly see why he didn't lean on the bench. But now I would still argue that you just like you should not be that top heavy ever. Like, it's just not a sustainable way to play. It puts you too at risk of injury. It's hard rotation-wise. Like, like they should have taken more lumps at least trying with the bench in the past. But Nick Nurse is probably looking over and being like, see, like, your, your half-court offense, nobody can score. Nobody, there aren't that many guys on this team who can both dribble and shoot. Um, the other side of this, the funny part, guess which team has two guys in the top six in minutes right now? The Philadelphia 76ers, yeah, Tyrese Maxey leading the league and Tobias Harris, who should not be leading the league, uh, is in six there. So, um, you know, Nick's running some of the same stuff there with Philadelphia, but I think they've been refreshed. You know, the new voice there was as necessary as it is here. Um, you know, it's always going to be hard to decide on this one just because Nick Nurse went to a win, win now, like a, the most win now situation, yes. um, the Leafs of the NBA and the Philadelphia 76ers, whereas, you know, the Raptors are kind of, the goals are more nebulous. <laughs> That's yeah, now, for sure. God, now I'm Joel Embiid crying in the tunnel. I'm like, don't <laughs> call us the Sixers, but you're so right, Blake. Uh, yeah, so I'd, uh, just lastly, before we let you go, actually, Ben thought we were done. I have one more. In-season tournament, Raptors are kaputs and done with it now for, for, for all intents and purposes, but where are you at on it? Like, I seem to recall, and maybe this was just the way I saw things, but the discourse heading into the year was, this stinks, it's a gimmick, no one wants it. I, you know, the arbiter of all things right, I was always on board with thinking this was going to pull people over. Are you surprised that it seems to be as kind of popular as it is, for lack of a better term? 
Not really. It's a long season. People get bored. It's fun to have things to get excited about. Like last night's game actually feeling like it had stakes and you know, there's no downside, right? Like Friday's game against the bulls. Now here is an in-season tournament game. It no longer matters for the in-season tournament. Oh, oh, well, it's just the regular season game. Like there's no downside here um, whatsoever. Some of the courts look, I actually think Toronto and Orlando have two of the best courts. Um, the kind of bright red ones are still kind of mm. hard to watch, but yeah, it's fun. Like the Pacers, the Pacers have clinched a spot and that's probably something that they can look at as an, like those knockout stage games. Hey, it's prepping a young team for the playoffs. Um, the, the only question I really have is like the number one in season tournament team so far has been the Lakers. You are the most storied franchise mm. in NBA history. Are you hanging a banner if you win the in season tournament? Yes. You, you hang it in the gym at LeBron's house. That's what you do. You don't hang it at, uh, is it still Staples crypto? I don't know, whatever it's called there that you hang it at LeBron's house because it matters to him more than anybody else. I think is what do you, you get do. a ring. Like, yeah, what are, uh, there's a lot of like ins and outs and maybe a, a fat check, maybe a yeah. necklace or like, you know what? They should go full world series of poker. Give everybody a bracelet. If they uh, win, not a ring, not a bad idea, but yeah, I I'm surprised we didn't see some champagne celebrations after the Pacers and Lakers clinched their spot in the knockout round here, Blake. Like, you, well, you, that's what the Raptors have to hope. Cause they have the Pacers <laughs> tonight and Tyrese Halliburton's probably going to have 40 or 50 assists against them. <laughs> yeah, quickly. Pre- predicting tonight's game, yeah, because the Pacers scored, what, 157 yesterday uh, against the Hawks. Um, how, how many points the Pacers are going to put up against a, a, a team that's still hanging in, top 10? I did see the Raptors, are they didn't drop outside of the top 10. They're 10th in defensive rating, but against uh, the best offensive team in all of the NBA. How many points are the Pacers putting up tonight? Yeah, uh, a lot. Um, I don't I don't know. Like they they have scored 125 or more in, I think, eight of their 12 or 13 games like they are uh, a safe bet for one. So I'll say 135. All right. That's nice. Wow. What an incredible defensive job the Raptors did holding the paces to 135. All right, all right Blake. Uh, great okay. stuff as always, buddy. See you guys. Bye bye. Blake Murphy, the Raptors show. He was our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect Excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. He's right that the Raptors are not in it to tank, right? They did their one-season tank, and it bore fruit, like, in the form of a fourth overall selection. Like, they won the lottery, and not only did they win the lottery, jump it up from seven to four, but they got the guy who was rookie of the year. Like, unbelievable Mm -hmm. set of circumstances that in one year where you're not playing at home, all those things fall into place, but it's one guy. And, yeah, you look at that Magic team and all the lottery picks that are playing for them. Yeah. And the Raptors were able to get They even by. have like ones that aren't good. Like Markel Fultz is there. He didn't play last night, but he's walking <laughs> around there. <laughs> right. And it's, it's maybe not necessarily fair to just talk about lottery picks because guess what? Pascal Siakam, OG Ananobi were not lottery picks, but those guys are like, those are lottery pick talented yes. fellas Very that were so. drafted and developed by the Raptors. But to his point about, Hey, they're not interested in doing that here. And like, maybe this fan base wouldn't be able to, to, yeah. to handle that. I mean, you can't do it now that you, Scotty Barnes is already here and you've already got pieces. That's a problem. It's a sport where, man, unless you are the Suns, I guess, because now they have Matt Ishbia who's going to pay through the nose right. or, or you know, you're a, you're a team that is a free agent destination where you can go out and attract either via free agency yeah, or you can say, trade like, for, yeah. I mean, I James Harden's a bad let's, example. Let's call, but let's call a spade a spade. I want to go there. <laughs> destination. What is... And I know the, the the path to success is the Raptors being a 50-win-ish team mm-hmm. and then doing that trade for the yep. guy that's in a bad circumstance. But how is, like, where's the path to getting to that if you don't have 
more depth in the form of young lottery pick players. That's why you have to trade Pascal Siakam <laughs> and OG Ananobi. Uh, I hate to break it to anybody who's hearing this. That's just, why. I, get, I feel like we're in the same place as we were last year. Where it's like, what's wrong with the Raptors? They have some good players that are playing really well and are like all-star level. Like OG Ananobi could be in the deep boy conversation yeah. and Pascal Siakam is an all-star and Scotty Barnes is a rookie of the year. How come they're not good? Well, they, there's only that's only three guys. Mm-hmm. that Well, on the court at one time, there needs to be two more. And then beyond that, there needs to be five more beyond that. And... Raptors just don't have enough good players. And yeah. in the regular season, if you're not going to play those guys 48 minutes a game, yeah, Malachi Flynn has to be part of this team. And Grady Dick, learning his way through his first mm-hmm. NBA season, has to be part of this team. And Chris Boucher, on a night-to-night basis, you can't... Like, there's it, yep. there's just not enough good players is what it comes down to on this Raptors team. Yeah, I mean, Blake mentioned it, that... And I didn't bother asking him the natural follow-up because guess what? We're all waiting for the answer to this. But Blake said it. At some point in time, we thought it was going to come last year. We thought it was going to come in the offseason. But apparently, this year it actually is true. At some point in time, they have to decide what they are. Mm. They have to decide, are you a mushy middle team and you're perfectly happy to pay through the nose to continue that? I highly doubt it. Mm. You're going to have to make your decision. I would have liked it made last year. It does seem like they have to have to do something because I we'll think see. that this, yeah, we'll see. I know. <laughs> I know. We've been having the same conversation around this team. You know, it, is there any team in the city that we haven't having the same conversation about for seemingly a decade now? Like at least Blue Jays gave us another, like this is a different window. Like yeah. 2020 felt new. I guess 2019 as well. But like this Raptors team, we have the same conversation for two years. The Leafs team, I mean, thank God they finally won around last year. But really, we've been having the same, conversation, same conversation for a decade. Yep. And the Raptors, it's like, I know the title was only in 2019, so it can't be that long. But, man, it feels like, does it feel like three, four years ago? Or does it feel closer to 10 that the Raptors won the title? It does. But, yeah, that's, I mean, that keeps you from going, like, totally off the rails and criticizing this front office. Boy, does it. Hey, it's the worst thing that you can be in all of pro sports is, like, what the hell are you? Yep. Like, again, the magic. Especially with a guy like Scotty Barnes. Like you. Yeah, what the hell are you? Yeah. Like, what, what are you doing? Nebulous, right? Great question. Like, I, I, are you trying to win? Are you not trying to win? Are you playing Grady Dick minutes, even knowing that they're not the most effective? Like, are you just maximizing your potential to win every single, like, what the what are you? And I guess we're going to find out, like you maybe, said, maybe, maybe at the deadline. Maybe, but, maybe, but maybe They've been telling us that for a year. Yeah. <laughs> maybe not. All right. When we come back, talk to uh, former Toronto Maple Leaf, like he was here for oh. the the like the the last playoff Sandman? series without. I mean, not without stakes because it was like, oh my god, they might do it. This might be yeah. one of the most incredible postseasons House in money. Maple Leafs memory. Yeah. And what was it? Five of the six games going overtime. Yeah, um, yeah. that Fred- was the, that was the last time the Leafs were playing with House Money. Frederick Anderson allowing a goal to go right through his glove in overtime. Like, it was great. No, it's awesome. We can't criticize him, though, because, like, he made a bunch of saves in the series. And I don't, whatever. I'm not bunk. We can criticize him, but okay. we I can did. criticize him. I, I did. And, right. yeah, we'll talk to Boyle. We can't wait. He deserves no criticism because uh, uh, on the ice for one of the pivotal goals of that series. Sick against dish. The Capitals. Uh, we will talk to Brian Boyle. Former NHL forward, NHL network analyst. Next is the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Anis, Brent Gunning, Sports at 590 The Fan.
Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Mary Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. For a limited time, Canadians can get their hands on the Raptors' 20-piece McNuggets pack with spicy buffalo dipping sauce to celebrate this new edition, giving away $100 in McDonald's gift cards all week to enter. All you have to do is tune into episodes of the Fan Morning Show, listen for the code word, then text the code word to 59590. Today's code word is Raptors. Text Raptors to 59590 right now to enter for your chance to win, giving away another $100 in gift cards tomorrow's show, so be sure to tune in. You can also tune in to NHL Now on Sportsnet 1 weekdays, 4 to 6 p.m., where you can catch our next guest, Brian Boyle, former NHL forward, NHL network analyst, joining us on the line right now. How's it going, Brian? Oh, it's going well. Nice morning here. No school for some reason on a, on a wow. nice Wednesday in November. So we got we got a bit of a circus going on upstairs. And uh, away we go. It's yeah. Rain too. That's, that's yeah, our, outside either. our condolences. Like, you're talking to two fathers here. So just like, you know, I, I only have one. So, like, I don't get to complain to anybody. Mm. But just like my condolences. It was raining here. I had to take my kid to some indoor playscape. It's no fun when the kids yeah. are home and it's raining. So just, yeah, I, I I appreciate you taking some time. Although I feel like you're like, can we keep talking when this is over? Because maybe it's nice to hide out. I don't know. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I was gone this week, so it's good to see them. But mm. uh, they're they're a little more excited than I am right now. I got to match their energy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll see how you do in the next fifteen minutes. Um. So you yeah. you 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 saw William Nylander in his first full season as a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs, and boy, what a what a fun six game series against the Washington Capitals and and making the playoffs late in that season, and just yeah, it was just a thrill ride. All those overtime games and coming so close to knocking off the President's Trophy champs, but. William Nylander, yeah, he was top 10 in, in Calder voting that year. No doubt that the sky was the limit. I mean, he appears to be on pace for, well, he is on pace, but he appears to be headed towards 50 goals and maybe 100 points. Did you see this coming from him? He's got that ability, that raw talent. And, you know, I don't know if it's his <clears throat> demeanor. I don't know if it's because of the value that they had with Mitch and Austin, but it seems like he's been, I don't know if, underappreciated or overlooked or however you want to say it. Um, he, he went over to Sweden and he didn't single-handedly do it, but he won two games for the, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. He was electric. He took over the third period against Detroit and he was good all game. That was kind of a low event game, in my opinion, the first two periods. And then he just got everybody out of their seats. Yeah. Um, I mean, all the stuff, all the stuff he was doing in the, you know, in the media and, and the Swedish media after, I thought it was just awesome. It was so entertaining. He is—he has been the same kid since day one. He's not apologetic for it, and he goes to work every day, shows up. And the other thing is, he works extremely hard. He, he works at his craft. He shoots all the time after practice. I mean, this guy—this guy is showing everybody what he's capable of right now. Yeah, and again, I think it's a good reminder for for people like uh, you know it feels uh, f- feels a little far removed now, but yeah, you would know these guys well, like having come over. And it's funny we were saying that was kind of the last, and I'm sure you guys didn't feel it in the room, but that was kind of the last playoff series for this group where it was a little bit of house money, where it was you know you want to win every series you're in, but if you don't, it's not cataclysmic. And since then, it's been it's been just like ten alarm fire after after ten alarm fire. You know, 
we often hear a lot of talk when it comes to this core four about their personalities, their temperament. And you just talked about it a little bit with Willie there, but if you could just speak it, speak to it with Austin and, and Mitch as well, again, like, you know, I'm not going to pretend you're best friends with them, but you did share a locker room with them. You'd, you'd know them fairly well. You know, what are those guys as kind of competitors? Cause I think sometimes and unfairly uh, at times as well, they get kind of criticized for maybe sleepy isn't the right term, but they're not the most overly fiery guys at times, or at least it doesn't appear that way. Uh, from the outside looking in, what are those guys like in terms of their temperament? Well, let's, I'll just tell you this: like you can't perform the way they do without an intense, incredible drive to be the best. And I'll—I think it's impressive to me that the way that they conduct themselves in the media and how they handle themselves hasn't really changed because. They wouldn't be the players they are, especially like the regular season, if they didn't have that drive. And, you know, with, with I think Willie's been great in the playoffs, honestly, the last couple of years. I think, you know, if you want to look at numbers, mm-hmm. uh, you, know, you know, Mitch is close to a point of game in the playoffs. And the playoffs are a different game. They're harder. And Austin's got, you know, a bunch of goals. That first playoff, when I when I was with them in Washington, I mean, I was really choked that we didn't, we didn't win that series. I thought yeah. we were the better team. And the parting message for me was just like, guys, it doesn't, you don't know when your next chance at a playoff run is. So, you know, when you go into a playoff, you have to believe that you can knock this team off. And we, I thought we did some growing up. And, you know, it turns out it hasn't really translated quite like I thought it would have. I thought this, this was going to be a group that really, I mean, was going to win multiple rounds every year. But it, it hasn't really happened yet but it just shows you kind of how hard it really is and they they are heavily scrutinized everybody knows that there's a lot of questions being asked and 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 it's gone i'd say fairly well in the last five six years in terms of day to day you know it's not they never really had to deal with something like what maybe edmonton's going through right now yeah um they have they have the flash and dash obviously maybe people want to see a grind out game. I don't know, but they're playing to their strengths. They're doing what they're very good at. And if they're surrounded by great vets that show them exactly what to do when the time comes, I think it's a, it's a goal here and a goal there and they're winning playoff rounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, no doubt. But uh, for whatever reason over the last half decade, those, uh, those one or two goals have been very difficult to find. Uh, again, not difficult to find for William Nylander during this regular season. So far, he's a pending free agent, and we'll see how that plays out. And apparently, his his agent and and Brad for Living going to reengage here maybe in the coming days uh, as we uh, approach the the trade deadline in February. But he it does feel like. And, and Brian, you can speak to this. Like he's never going to get, he's never going to be at the top of the marquee as long as Austin Matthews is a Toronto Maple Leaf, and he just re-upped, right? Um, Austin Matthews is the best five-on-five goal scorer, best goal scorer period since he entered the league. He's going to be the face of this franchise, despite the fact that John Tavares wears the C. But to that point, John Tavares wears the C. He's the the hometown kid. He decided to come back here. Mitch Marner, also an Ontario guy. I mean, can you see it being difficult for Nylander, knowing that he could be a capital? like a star somewhere else other than Toronto to take a, a back seat to those guys? Or does he, he feel like he has the temperament to do it? Well, he already did, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. It's been his you whole know, life. He, right? he, he kind of got, got dragged through that negotiation that where he didn't come. Where did he, did he start in December? Or what, yeah, when did, he signed when did he it right sign? before uh, December 1st, yeah. 
Yeah, and and so now and he's performed. He's he's kind of lived up to his end of the bargain, I think. And I, I mean, if the Leafs come to him and say, "Here's eighty-eight million. That's your jersey number. Here's eight years," <laughs> maybe maybe he feels like, okay, they they can now, and it shouldn't matter. You know, if you if you get what you're worth, you know the rest shouldn't matter. It's you need 23 guys, usually 25 or 26, during a long, deep playoff run if you want to get to where you want to get to. And you know, do you have to be the highest paid? I it's, I, I can't answer that, but I don't think I don't think that's what he wants. I think he just wants a fair shake where it doesn't have to be, you know, pulling teeth to to really get just what he thinks he's worth, and that's. You know, that can come into it a little bit. I think, again, he parked it and aside from maybe the start of that contract where he hadn't played and came in right before December, as you said, took a little adjusting because it is hard to just jump on a moving train. But since then, he's I think he's been very, very good. And if you're a manager, who are your best players? And what? how do they fit in your team? And you sign them up. That That's where you start. Mm-hmm. You, obviously, your priorities are, who drives the bus here? And right now, Willie's Willie's driving that bus. Yeah, you're right. Like fan perception and being at the top of the marquee, not as relevant as yeah, being paid the what you feel you deserve. And I guess I mean William Nylander, especially if this thing continues the way it started, could go out in the open market and say, yeah, I kind of want like Austin Matthews money. That's unlikely to happen here. But the argument he has that is, I think, a fair one is looking at Mitch Marner and John Tavares and making. Well, for in Marner's case, almost eleven million. For Tavares, it is eleven million. Saying I'm at least as valuable as, as those guys. Like, how is that dynamic? As far as like looking at the number uh, that that you're being paid and the the internal pecking order of a team, and 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 saying that it, at least I need to be valued at the same level or 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 more than some of the other guys that I I clearly am as valuable as. I don't know. I'd hope it wouldn't be like comparing to his own teammates and but again it's it's out there and it's a storyline so it's you'd have to you'd have to you have to have some effort to not do that being written or hear that on a on a station you'd have to do a lot of work just to try to avoid all that but i agree i mean that is he's being talked about quite a bit he has had a great start to the year he had 40 goals last year he's done he's done a number of things that would point towards every other team in the league being like, how do we get this guy signed? What does he need? He is a priority. And if you, if you just make him feel like a priority, then, but he's gone into this season, not, not extended. And they were trying to get Austin signed up, which, you know, I probably would have too. He's, you know, bigger, a little younger, scores tons of goals and Austin's Austin. He's an incredible talent. Willie's just showing that there's still room for him to improve the raw abilities he has he can change a game in one shift. There's not a lot of guys in the league that can do that. And the ones that you have, you really try to, I would say, keep. Now, Mitch is the, – the, the, the crazy thing is, too, they're all brought together and they're all talked about that core four. They're all very different players, in my opinion. For sure. They're all forwards, yeah, but they're all very different players. And it's like, well, how do you pick one? Because they add a different dimension to our team that makes us our team. And – Unless there's a package for any, you know, any one of them, you try to make your team better. You listen to everything. Um, not suggesting there is, but you, you, you try to probably keep them and figure out a way to make them happy. 
Yeah, and, uh, you know, especially, again, like the cap, it always bogs down all these conversations. But, you know, there's a lot of talk. Yeah. Of, can you pay the forwards this way? It's like John Tavares has one more year left on his deal, and I don't know what he's going to make, but it's not going to be 11 on on the next one, and you can kind of deal with it there. You know, you, you've always been so good in, in both in your playing career. This was a part of what you did as a great kind of, you know, obviously on the ice as well, but your locker room, you know, just being a great locker room guy. I've heard you talk a lot about this, uh, you know, in your post-playing career as a media guy now. You know, John Klingberg, he signs here as a free agent. He's one of the first guys signed by the new GM. It's a $4 million one-year deal, and he has just not been able to find a stride at all. He's been in and out of the lineup. He has been maybe healthy scratched, maybe not at varying times. The team's been a little unclear about what he may or may not be dealing with injury-wise. Klingberg has also been a little unclear on it. What do you think it's like for both the player himself going through it, but also, you know, a team where you're going, okay, it's, you know, it's one thing if Klingberg is, or it's Morgan Riley going through this, where, you know, he's been in the wars with these guys for a hundred years. They know him all so well, but I can only imagine how awkward it is for a guy like John Klingberg. You join a new team and you just never hit the ground running again, because of the cap, your salary matters so much. Oh, what do you think the dynamic is uh, kind of regarding him with the locker room there? Uh, yeah, I, you know, hopefully the boys are trying to help him out because it is it is not easy. When you when you lose any semblance of confidence and ability, and I know he's dealing with an injury and his, you know, he's obviously not the, he's not a shutdown defender type. He never really has been. Um, and he's not necessarily uh, a burner, but his edges and his his deception with mm-hmm. how he uses his legs are a big part of his game. And you know, something is hobbling him. I don't know if it's a knee or what it is. I, it when you lose that, you can't trust those edges, and you can't trust your game, and you're losing confidence. Haven't had a great start. There's a pressure mounting for him internally. He, you know, he turned down a big deal from Dallas. He tried to do the one-year thing in Anaheim. That was kind of a tire fire in Anaheim in terms of what they had on the roster. And um, thought he was okay at times in Minnesota, so I really thought this he was going to turn it back up. And you've seen guys who are a little bit older after they hit 30 play really well. And, you know, I kind of expected it. I thought, you know, from some reports before the season started, he looked pretty good up there and was going to help that that top power play unit and give, you know, Morgan Riley a little bit of a spell so he could kind of be the all-situations guy, maybe a little power play, but take over. And it just it hasn't, hasn't worked yet. It is a hard transition. It's a different operation up there. I mean, I remember I got there and, you know, you go to the airport, you bust over from the – check in to the to the airplane you have to all these customs everywhere you go it's it's just much different a lot of different things playing in canada um the media stuff didn't bug me i went to a cup final in tampa and in new york and that stuff didn't bug me but you know he's in dallas and he's in anaheim and you know minnesota wasn't a long playoff run or anything so maybe that's hitting them too it's a different totally different animal um and he's he's a big name in the league that hasn't quite performed as expected so that's probably he's probably getting it worse than I ever did when I went to Toronto like I went up to Toronto I didn't score a goal and Mm. I thought I did what I was asked to do really well uh the way the team was made up and the way Babcock kind of you know deployed us it was going to be really hard for me to get any goals but I thought I did what I was supposed to do it's all about expectations and if you can't really hit them it's, it's difficult so my hope is that he gets his his legs underneath him like 
you know, literally and figuratively, mm. um, because I do think he can add an element and you can, they have enough where they could, I don't want to say shelter his minutes because he's been a really good player in the league for a while, but he's, he's offensive driven. And if he's not producing offense, you can't really find a spot for him. Yeah. That's the problem is that, yeah. Brian, I think we all saw your utility, even if you weren't scoring goals. And yeah, you, I think uh, people were very pleased with your tenure as a Toronto Maple Leaf. And it's different when you got a north of $4 million cap hit and this is a cap yeah. trap team and that's the area of need yeah. on the blue line. And it's also different when you're dishing sweet behind the back feeds <laughs> to Casperi Kapanen. It's also different when that happens, yeah. Brian. Yeah. yeah, you gotta you set the bar low enough, you do something <laughs> that and people remember it. Is that Gretzky? No, Boyle. Okay. Same guy. Who can say? Hey. Listen, I remember I got two two in the same post game scrum twice. Someone asked me, "Did you see Captain in there?" And I'm like, what do "You mean did I see him there? I, I, what do you think? I just threw it in front of the net, and double over." I'm like, Here you go, Washington. Have a breakout, my team. Yeah, come on. Again, I'm not lighting up the scoreboard, but I'm not a moron. <laughs> Let that be oh. the definitive word on on the subject, yes. uh, Brian. Uh, go back to your screaming children. Thank you. Oh, do I have to? Yes. I told you you'd want to stay by the end. I knew it. I knew you'd have fun with us. Thanks, man. Happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate it. Yeah, you too. See you guys. See ya. Brian Boyle, former NHL forward, NHL network analyst. Again, you can catch him on NHL Now. Sportsnet 1 weekdays, 4 to 6 p.m. Thanksgiving's tomorrow. Why are the kids off school today? Why are my kids off school this Friday? They are? Yeah. Oh, I, your kid. Your kid yeah. is not school age. No, is, again, is they, he able to go to daycare on Friday? Yeah, because again, they had a. Don't get me started. On that. They had a daycare PD day earlier this. I, this that's not a thing. When you pay for daycare, yeah, there's me, no PD yeah, no, days. I mean, take it, my money and my child. It happened. Hmm. Uh, so yeah, I pray not because Daddy's got to come to work on Friday. Yeah, unlike someone. God, Brian Boyle, he talked about, oh, a couple of goals this way, like five games in that series yeah. that went to overtime. And I don't know, maybe it doesn't play out this way, but gosh darn it, mm. doesn't it feel a little bit different oh. from a pressure perspective if they break through in attempt number one? No, I actually do. I don't I don't think it's like, a, oh, who knows? No, I, I kind of do. I think that winning begets winning early on, like, David Pasternak is not David Pasternak if he is not inoculated in that Bruins team and they go on to win and you feel great about Jack Hughes. Yeah. He's going to be a better player for having won around at this no, point of his career. Yeah, but like but wasn't that the argument that the, the why the Leafs were going to win the cup last year after they broke through in no, a but there was so six much, game series think against about the how Lightning. much less scar tissue is on that team versus this one. It's like they had a breakthrough. There's still a lot it. of scar tissue there. I I get it, but like and like saves and stuff. No, the 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 shackles were off. So so like, yeah, I, I get where your mind goes, and that's where my mind goes as mm. well. I don't think it's as simple as saying, well, then, I mean, obviously they win a Stanley Cup between no, no, no. 2015 and now if <laughs> no, they no, win no. that series no, no, against <laughs> the Capitals. I would never be so foolish as to say the cursed Toronto Maple Leafs will win the Stanley Cup. I would mm. never be as foolish as to say that. I'd just say they would be so much closer to Lord Stanley's chalice 
and uh, the pain would be greater. But I do mm. think that I do think that it would be different. We could have gotten closer to them being a normal team. A normal I mean, team. I yeah, no, they're still normal. totally normal. Not we just had a guy normal. not wearing a shirt on Swedish television, sending nudes and talking about being a groovy <laughs> dude. So <laughs> he didn't send nudes. He no. said he has sent nudes. Oh, okay. What's the difference between? Well, what I don't I know. Said? It wasn't like on the oh, show. Okay, he was sending right. nudes he, from that the stage. That would have been quite a move. It's like, all right, Willie, we've brought in a photographer here. You're already halfway undressed. That would have been i don't know what happens on european television but that feels like a bridge too far but i, I don't know i it's also weird that like that all feels very embarrassing that talk show and like like i don't know pretty silly and stupid yeah. but if you did that and like willie oh, was like on board he's yeah. like yeah fine like that's just the nature of the beast it's like imagine he agreed to do something like that in north america oh, just- how much we would be making fun of the interviewer and like the the format that that was taking place. Yeah, Europe is different in yeah, many ways. There's a Quebec talk show that I know like occasionally like our politicians will find their way on and it has much more of that kind of feel and yeah like I wish we had it but uh, we the the genie is completely out of the bottle regarding that like there's no way we're ever having that in North America. All right, we don't have a game to talk about tomorrow when it comes to the Maple Leafs, but they're practicing. Well, so there will be like things oh, to talk we, about, we tangible Maple Leafs things. make things to talk about, yes. Right, we'll be back tomorrow. This has been the Fan Morning Show. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590 Fan. Good, Good morning. morning.